0: Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon.
1: Father, thank you, this is the day that you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, you are a life source. You're the way, the truth and the life and no man comes to the Father but by you. But God, you are our way. Lord, you are our light. And Father, I thank you, Lord, give us eyes to to see and ears to hear. Lord, I ask that you would enlighten the eyes of our understanding in the knowledge of you, God, that we would truly know you, to know the hope of our calling, the riches of your glorious inheritance in us, the saints, and the greatness of the power toward us who believe. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 14, tells us that the love of God, for the love of God constrains us. The love of God constrains us. Some versions say the love of God compels us. But what it's telling us is that the revelation of the love that God has for us and the love that we have for Him actually is the thing that helps us to walk on the narrow path. We don't, we don't follow him and obey him uh, out of a, a sense of, well, it's an obligation that I have to do and, and be successful. But true overcoming breakthrough is motivated and powered by the love that the Holy Spirit sheds abroad in our hearts and that we have for him in response to his great love for us. I've been meditating this week on a beautiful chapter in John chapter 14, if you wanna turn there with me. I love the book of John, sometimes people say, if you could be any disciple, who would you be? I say, i would be John, he rested his head on the breast of Jesus. And I mean, they all had a pretty hard time, but, but this one, he referred to himself continually through the gospels as the disciple who Jesus loved. And I just think that is so magnificent. It wasn't that John was more loved than the others, but he had such a revelation that Jesus loved him. And I, my desire is to continually grow in this revelation of God's love for us. I wanna read to you um, from verse 15. I'm looking in the Passion Translation today. And he says this, "'Loving me empowers you to obey my commands.'" I just stopped there when I read that. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands, and it's the truth, you know. We, as believers who've confessed our sins and knowing that he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, have invited Christ to be our Savior, our Redeemer, we know that we are the righteous who live by faith, hallelujah. We know we are forgiven, that he doesn't count his sins, our sins against us anymore. He knows that, we know that um, if we fall, he doesn't cast us out and reject us, but he has forgiven us and we are so grateful for his goodness. But you know, all the theology in the world, all the knowledge in the world will not empower you to walk a holy life. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. When we understand the love that God has for us, suddenly theology becomes something that we don't just know intellectually, but becomes something that is incorporated into us and powered by love. Love is the generator. Love is the thing that gives us the power. When when you're faced in a situation where there's temptation and you want to do the right thing, it's not your theology that will keep you. It's the love you have for him that will. Now, I we're all for good theology. We love the word of God and we know the power and the importance of um of understanding the word of God and feasting on it. But If all you ever do is read and you don't actually talk personally to the one who wrote the words, you run the risk of putting your hope in what you know rather than in who you know. God's looking for us to recognize it's the love of God that constrains us. It's the love of God that empowers us to obey what we read, hallelujah. As you keep reading, it's beautiful. It says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me and he will never leave you. This is the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the one who'll never leave us or forsake us. This week I was, as I was just talking to the Lord, I felt the Lord invite me and remind me, you might think this is a bit unusual, but you know, he, he speaks to us in ways that we can understand. And years ago, um, when I was just a new bride, uh, Tom had to have an operation and I was distressed about it. It wasn't a big operation, but he had to have an operation. And I, I was, uh, you know, I dropped him off and then I was sitting in the waiting room and, and I was feeling a little distressed and I was like, oh, oh, I don't like my husband being in there without me. You know? And, oh. and um, I felt right at that moment the Holy Spirit just prompted me. Um, and he reminded me of a story that I'd read about a little girl in the middle of a big crowd that just reached up to hold her father's hand. That children, when they're feeling a little bit nervous or a little bit, Insecure, they'll reach up instinctively and just hold their parent's hand. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me right there in the waiting room, "I'm here to hold your hand." And now, uh, you know, I went on and I actually ended up writing a song about that um, years ago. But just this week, I heard the Holy Spirit say to me again, "I'm here to hold your hand. I'm here to hold your hand." and I knew it was an invitation that was waiting for my response. Rather than just having it as a nice, oh, that's nice, yeah, okay, that's good, I know. You'll never leave me, you'll never forsake me, you're with me. We can leave it at that level and go, yes, yes, that's nice, yes, great. I even heard that from God, I'm gonna write it in my journal. Yes, he wants to hold my hand. Ah. that's nice, God, you're lovely. Or I can actually respond to the invitation. And that means actually, intentionally recognizing that my deep need calls out to his deep kindness, and that I have the capacity not to be deceived into living in this realm of, of cerebral acknowledgement, but actually spiritually engaging and holding on to the hand of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Father. The one who'll never leave us or forsake us, the one who actually wants to supernaturally, continuously strengthen us like an intravenous drip of superpower. We can hold on to his hand and never have to fear, never have to be afraid, never have to be anxious, never have to live outside of righteousness, peace, or joy. As I was thinking about this, I am, um, I, you know. The Lord just began to minister to me, and then on Friday night, we had a beautiful meeting. Who was here on Friday? Oh, it was outstanding. And, um, and then in, in worship though, I was just engaging with God, and I'm so grateful for our worship teams and Pastor Aaron and the team, the way that they just make room for people to engage with God. Worship for me is not a warm up for the main event, it's actually our opportunity to engage with God in a corporate setting. And some of the most significant encounters I've had with the Lord have been in corporate settings, in corporate worship. And I, as I was um, worshiping, I was having a beautiful time with the Lord, worshiping him, he was showing me some different visions. And it came time, about that time that I was supposed to get up, and I felt the Lord invite me just to lie down. I looked at my watch, I went, okay, yes. (laughs) And as I lay down in the worship and fixed my eyes on him, suddenly he took me into a vision, more visions. And I saw, uh, as I was just looking at him, I saw his face like a lion, really close in front of me. But I wasn't afraid, I could feel it was him, he was right there. The Bible says that he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. But as, as I was looking, all I could see him doing was breathing on my throat. And I thought, what, what are you doing? I don't understand, but I, I knew it was beautiful. It's lovely, but God, what's it mean? I'm always trying to interpret, what are you meaning, God? And I just saw him breathing on my, my throat and I, I didn't really know what he was doing. And then I saw a, a series of other visions. I. I saw the Lord begin to put baskets in my hand full of fish and the fish were just multiplying and multiplying and multiplying and I began to intercede with him for souls and for the harvest, hallelujah. Just as um, Jesus multiplied the fish, I believe it's a prophetic sign of the harvest, hallelujah. As fish jumped into the boat with Peter, that uh, Jesus said, I'm gonna make you fishes of men and I just saw him um, inviting me to intercede with him. for the harvest, for souls, multiplied souls. And then I I saw a vision of um, him taking me in and I, I saw different things that he was going to do and I came into a room where there were kings and presidents. I thought, that's lovely. But I kept looking and as I kept looking, he took me up into the glory, into his heavenly realm and I was overcome with how good he is, how holy he is, how wonderful he is. And everything else, all the promises of God, as good as they are, become irrelevant in the glory. Hallelujah. God is continually wanting to invite us, not just to hear from the Lord. And in a prophetic culture, we are, many of us, have become quite good at hearing the voice of the Lord. His, his sheep hear his voice. You can all hear his voice. But it's one thing to hear And it's another thing to actually, no, we don't need to talk to you, Siri. Um, It's another thing. Hallelujah. It's another thing to actually respond. Siri's not yet saved. (laughs) It's another thing to actually respond to what you're hearing. You see, sometimes we can actually deceive ourselves and despise prophecy by recognizing it but not actually acting on it. Yeah. Richie Seltzer said something uh, the other night. He said, slow obedience is disobedience. Yeah, but I was, I was challenged in that, in that every invitation that the Lord gives us, if we will respond, it will always be for our good. He's smarter than we are. I've seen it happen so many times, over and over again. He's invited me. Uh, to pull aside or pull away and just to to go deeper. Even though I think I've already had my prayer time, if he invites me, I know there's something wonderful he has for me. And God so wants us to understand the love that he has for us because many of us struggle to comprehend this love. It's why I pray the prayer in Ephesians 3, 14 to 21 that we all together would know and comprehend the greatness of his great love for us. To have supernatural strength to be able to comprehend the height, the depth, the width, and the breadth, the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that we'd be rooted and grounded in it and continually filled to overflowing with it. Because the love of God is not a revelation you get and move on from. It's something that he continually wants to overwhelm you with until you are so saturated that you're crying out for strength for more and he continues to pour in. To overflow means to continually receive. My daughter Emily um, last night shared a beautiful um, testimony about this that really moved my heart. And I just, I wanted to ask her, Emily, could I have a microphone? Um, I'm gonna get Em, if you wanna come on up. I wanted to share this with you because I really believe it'll, it'll bless you. Hallelujah. Yeah, give her a big hand as she comes. This is my middle daughter, Emily. Emily Kate. No, She, uh. <laughs> She, I remember she was baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're probably 10, 12, about 12, 12 <laughs> years old. And um, she, she got prayer at, on the altar for, for baptism of the Holy Spirit. Didn't start speaking in tongues, but went home that night, went to bed, and then came racing downstairs saying, Mommy, I speak in tongues. And, uh, and she's been glorious ever since. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I wanted them to come in. I just want you to share, if you don't mind, um, just that to encounter that you had, because I really think it'll help
0: some people. Right. So we shared this last night at the the women's thing. Um, so I hope you don't mind a bit of a story, and I hope you brought your scuba video because it might get a bit deep. <laughs> um, but uh, when I was about 15, 16, like in my mid-teens, um, I kind of had this thing where, um, you know how people say, like, you're either an introvert or you're an extrovert or sometimes you're an ambivert, whatever that is. <laughs> um, and I was put in the category of introvert because I like to spend a bit of time on my, th- on my own. And that was the thing that kind of defined me in a way. So anyone else? An introvert in the house. <laughs> yeah. And half the introverts didn't put their hand out because I understand. <laughs> But anyway, my, my, um, my definition of an introvert was someone who was quiet, someone who's reserved, someone that didn't have a whole big group of friends, that kind of thing. And that was a thing where it's okay to be an introvert, but I took it sort of a step further and completely evicted myself from the world. <laughs> And so it came so reserved and so quiet that I got to the point where I didn't have very many friends at all. And I wouldn't really go out anywhere. And for any of the people that knew me back then probably know that I wasn't very talkative. And people that were probably near me then probably didn't know me very well then because they didn't allow them to. And so, and at about 15, 16 years old, we, mum, I wouldn't say forced, But (laughs) (laughs) Encouraged. Great, very strongly encouraged that I go to uh, Outbreak Camp. So another plug for youth camp. It's very good. (laughs) Um, So I went along to Outbreak Camp and they had one of the sessions where um, they were facilitating uh, engaging in the sanctified imagination. And so they all got us to lie down on the ground. They put some music on. And they're like, all right, guys, I'll close your eyes and like go to your, your garden. And then kind of going through all of that, and, which is awesome. I love the sanctified imagination. It's the most fun place. <laughs> um, but as I was doing this, I kind of got swept up into this whole encounter. And it started off. And I got a knock at the door, opened the door, and there's Jesus there standing with a box. So he gave me the box, and it was like this beautiful, white, ornate music box. And I opened it up, and there was no music. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it was a bit of a letdown, but you know. It's a nice box. <laughs> and then he asked me, like, all right, let's go on an adventure, and off we went. And we're at this, this beautiful house on the patio, and there's this valley and everything. I'm like looking at this, like, wow, it's so nice here. And then he was really tall, I remember in the encounter. And he kneeled down, got like uncomfortably close, like right there. And I'm like, okay, like when you get to that point where you like, you don't want to even make eye contact with them because it's just so uncomfortably close. <laughs> and he was like so, looking so intently at me, and he's like, I love you. I, yeah cool. I looked away. I'm like, it's really nice out here. And and he's like, all right, let's go somewhere else. And so I took his hand. We were walking along. And he kept just saying, you know, I love you, right? You know, I love you, right? It's over and over and over again. I'm like, yeah, thank you. It's really nice. (laughs) It's really nice of you to say. So I knew all this. I grew up in a Christian household where he's saying Jesus loves me. This I know. And so I knew all this, but he just kept saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it. And it's like those things we have to hear like multiple times before it actually, you actually understand. And just one of these times, it just like hit me and like the penny dropped, I'm like, oh, like, he loves me. <laughs> and at this point, to give it a bit of context, I had almost little and zero to little connection with anyone, real connection. Um, so that was like a big thing for me. <laughs> Where like someone actually like really loves me and knows everything about me and still really loves me. And then we're up on this big mountaintop, overlooking beautiful, magnificent landscape. And he says, why don't you open that music box now? So I open it up, and then the music starts playing. It's like the most beautiful music in the world. And, but I I wasn't really surprised about the tune either. Like, it kind of seemed a little bit familiar. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I'm like, man, it's really nice. (laughs) And I was crying at this point. Um, And he says, oh, thank you. I composed it myself. (laughs) And I asked him, like, why couldn't I hear it before? Why do I hear it now and not before? And he says, you've always been able to hear it because it's a song of my heart for you. But until now, you didn't know what to listen for. And that was true, because I knew God loved me, I knew everything about this, but I hadn't quite had that relationship and that understanding, that deep understanding, like that he actually loves me, if that makes sense. And so from that point on, it wasn't like an instant, like I'm this and now I'm this. But it was like a, a framework to be able to work up and like have all these other encounters where I could like build up and um, was able to build up my confidence and everything. So I'm like, I'm loved by God, so therefore like, I can go out into the world and everything. So um, It came to the point where I didn't define myself quite as an introvert, where I needed to be hidden away from the world and pretty much disqualified myself from everything. <laughs> and to the point where it pretty much robbed me of all the joys in life. (laughs) And from that one encounter, that was like the the launching pad where I could like really go into um, to enjoy life, to live a holy life and a whole life, (laughs) which was really awesome. So good.
1: so good, (laughs) darling. Thank you. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. In that God actually wants to speak to every single one of us, so personally that it will shape us for the rest of our history. And you know, sometimes people get uptight or worried about you know encounters, but you no, know, every encounter we have should be able to be backed up with the Word of God. And the truth is, um, Paul prays for everyone, all of the saints, that we would have supernatural power to be able to comprehend this love that is beyond our human comprehension. It's better than we feel like we deserve. It's more glorious than we can comprehend. And the intensity of his love for us is as we open our hearts to it, what will keep us, what will empower us, what will sustain us, You see, when you find him, you've got someone that no one can ever take from you. You have found a friend that is better than the most faithful person you know. You have found someone who will always love you and who will always be happy to see you, who will always be happy to hear your voice. And what it does is it allows you to, to recognize he is my safe place. Yeah. That when I feel weak or when I mess up, I don't have to run from him, but I can run straight to him because he is the safest place I know. He is my ever-present help in time of need and my time of need is all the time. So therefore, I am going to take hold of it. Now I, I'm all about the application of what we know. Mark puts it as the, the therefore of righteousness. Because we have these incredible promises, therefore, we need to deliberately, intentionally think about what response to those promises look like. God is inviting us to engage in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It's something we know, it's uh, the grace that I used to quote um, and declare with the rest of the school at the end of um, assembly. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all this day and forevermore, amen. But it's more than just a recitation or an understanding of yes, that's the nature of God. It's actually an invitation into relationship, a real relationship. Where he doesn't judge you, he doesn't condemn you. Where he is more patient than you feel like he should be. Where he is kinder than you feel like you deserve. And that is unchanging and unrelentless in love that will make you blush. Love that will so overwhelm you that you feel that you can't keep looking. And then he says, hey, 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 no, keep looking at me. Ask for help from my spirit to strengthen you so that you can receive continually this love that is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortably good. It's so overwhelming that as you begin to drink from the river of his pleasure for you, you will recognize and begin to believe the truth of what he says about you. You see, as you open your heart to receive the love of God that passes knowledge, the Bible tells us that his perfect love casts out all fear. That's how powerful the love of God is. The fear that so often leads us into temptation. Peter was fearful, that's why he denied Christ. But it's the love of God that casts out all fear. If we could understand this invitation to hold his hand is actually the invitation to continuously victorious life. We wouldn't treat the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit as a memory verse that we can recite, but as an invitation into continuous supernatural power as an invitation to walk free from fear, free from bondage, free from anxiety or worry, and live a life of supernatural peace and joy. Now, if you don't know this relationship, I want to encourage you. The Father is longing to have relationship with us. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means no one can actually become righteous enough to be qualified to be joined as the bride, as his body to a holy God. So God came himself in the body of his son. He came and he he who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ. As we would say, yes, Lord, I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness. I need you to be my Savior. I believe you died and rose again. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, you receive a friend that will never leave you that is closer than a brother, a love that is better than the love of a mother, a love that is better than any lover or human you could even imagine. His love is overwhelmingly, uncomfortably glorious, and it's available for you every minute of every day and night. My prayer for you is that you would come to know the fellowship of the Holy Spirit that you'd open your hearts and you'd say, Lord, I need you, I want you to be my savior. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him, and he reaches out his hands and longs for you to respond and say, Jesus, be my savior, be my Lord. I I give you my sin, I give you my shame, I give you my crookedness, and I receive in exchange your life your new creation life to make me new on the inside. Thank you, Father, for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Wonderful Jesus. You know, Trevor shared tonight about the, the wedding. But I could feel the heart of God in that. And I so appreciated you sharing that. You see, he desires that none should perish. He doesn't want anyone to perish. You know, I, I pray for moms who, are, who come up and ask, please pray for my children to be saved. I understand, and they, they, are, they would give their lives, they'd give their lives to have their children saved. But I tell you that the love that God has for us is so much greater than that. But the reality is, The Father loves us so so much that the Bible says that he and all of heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents and receives Christ as Lord because they can see on his face the joy because the Father is longing for us to be reconciled to him. He's not nonchalant about it. He doesn't think, well, it'd be good if they got saved, if they don't, too bad for them. The Bible says, can a woman forget her child or have not compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, but I will not forget you. See, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. His love for us is not, he, does not, he never never, ever believed the lie that God doesn't care. All of creation is crying out, trying to get your attention to show you the truth. When you look up at the sky and you see the stars and the moon and when you see the sunset, when you hear the birds, know that it's not some cosmic accident, it's God who created a world for you to live in that you might recognize that all of this has been done because he loves you. But the Bible tells us too that we were created in his image. And that means we have a free will, the ability to choose. He also says narrow is the way that leads to life and few are those who find it. That's not his desire. But the truth is unless we humble ourselves and receive the salvation of Jesus, we cannot be joined to him. It's a glorious divine exchange where we give him our sin, our shame, our crookedness, and we receive and invite Jesus to be our Lord and Savior and make us new on the inside. When we do that, he says, I will come and I will make my home in you. I just wanna finish with this because it's so good. Back in John 14. I struggle sometimes when I go to preach not to read the whole chapter because it's like, oh, but no, that's so good too. And that's so good too. And oh, it's all so good. And um, he tells us this in verse 27. I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. The heart of the Father is that we would recognize his love for us and that we would respond to him. And as you read through the whole chapter there, you, you just see and hear the voice of Jesus calling us into a relationship because he desires that you and he would be together forever. Today, if you're here and you know in your heart, you haven't responded to Jesus by exchanging your life for his. When we recognize, I can't do this on my own, I, I, can't, I can't earn salvation and I need Jesus to be my savior, a divine transaction happens. When you respond of your, of your own free will and say, yes, Lord, I want you to be my God, I receive you as my Savior. He promises, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. If you're here today and you know in your heart you want to get your life right with God or you're watching online, I'd love to pray with you. If that's you, could you just give me a wave? I'd love to pray with you. Is there anyone here who says yes? I want to respond to the mercy of God today.
0: So true. God bless.